What's up homies? It's Dia, your wellness homegirl, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Unprecedented Wellness Podcast. A podcast where we get into the nitty gritty, y'all. We have all of those real, raw, and transparent conversations that help us to be able to live our best lives. Baby, over here, we family, and we can get into those conversations like we family. And today, we are going to be embarking on a journey of understanding emotional wellness with the one, the only, Fred Hanna. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. And homies, I, I have to honor my friend here for letting us use the amazing podcast studio. If it wasn't for him, the podcast wouldn't be the podcast. So we thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so, homies, um, we first have to let you get to know him a little bit better. So, y'all know the four questions, the speed dating that we're going to do to get to know him a little better. So, first up, how would you describe yourself in three words? In three words, authentic, mm. um, genuine, and overly analytical. Mm, okay, <laughs> little, little double word combo, we'll take it. And can you tell the homies, what do you do? Um, my day job is I am a pastor. I'm the pastor of Community Presbyterian Church and have been for 10 years now. Um, I've been a pastor for 15 years. Um, I am also a mental health professional. I am a therapist. I see clients uh, throughout the week. I also supervise the mental health component of a substance uh, use disorder program. And I find that work extremely fulfilling. I'm also a dad Fair and enough. husband. <laughs> that is that is something else. That is also a job. Um, what are the three biggest or most important things going on in your life right now? The three biggest and most important, um, going back to fatherhood, I love being a father. Mm. Um, if I had to drop um, everything else um, that is the and keep one thing, that is the one thing I would not drop. And I'll um, give you this real quick. I heard this um, analogy many years ago that said in life you have all of these balls that you're juggling. Mm -hmm. You some of those balls are crystal balls and some Mm -hmm. of them are rubber balls. Some of them if you drop they shatter. Mm -hmm. Some if you drop they bounce back. Mm -hmm. And um, I could drop this. I could drop pastoring. I could bounce back somewhere. I could preach good enough to get another job yeah. somewhere, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to drop my um, children. I love um, that. So uh, that is that is number one. Um, the biggest thing going on in my life is trying to be a good father and give them um, some of the things that I wish that I had, particularly mm-hmm. not growing up with a father in my life. Mm. Um, I would say the second thing would be, um, and that first thing encompasses all of home. Yeah. Um, but the second thing would be to continue to develop and grow as a therapist, which mm. is something that I just really uh, love and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I would go all the way down to three would be trying to rebuild this church after the pandemic and yeah. the flood and <laughs> some of the things that we've had going on, but really with a different kind of trajectory in mm. terms of how we become less traditional and more uh, community focused and outreach focused. I love that. I love that. That is also my approach to ministry. So I feel that. 
What is your favorite self-care activity? My favorite self-care activity is going down to my man cave and <laughs> putting on my favorite movie or um, whatever I can find in anime that's mm. like hot or new. I love anime. And um, I love some of the things they've had coming out. Yeah. Lately, they've had some great, like, um, um, 13 episode, 8 episode mm-hmm. um, series that have been just outstanding. So, nice. yeah, go down there and watch anime and pop popcorn and chill. Nice, <laughs> nice. Rock out in the man cave. I can't be mad at you for that. All right, homies, we got to move into the let's talk about it part of the show. Let's get into it. I'm not going to waste no time. So how would you define emotional wellness? I would define emotional wellness as how we manage life's ups and downs and how we cope emotionally, particularly in difficult situations, Mm -hmm. but how we maintain balance Mm. emotionally through life's experiences yeah you know I think I love that you highlighted the highs and the lows um because in talking to people prior to this episode and thinking about emotional wellness they only thought about happy and positive emotions right Mm -hmm. like being content being happy being joyful Mm -hmm. um and so can you speak a little bit about the importance of yes engaging with the positive emotions and having that being a state of being but the need to feel the negative emotions and learning how to navigate those. Yeah, I don't know how you maintain emotional wellness without paying attention to those negative emotions. Um, Especially, you use some interesting words. Mm. Happy, content, and joyful. And, you know, around churches, we like to talk about how, oh, I'd rather have joy than be happy. I want to be happy and joyful. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, me too. Give both to me, right? (laughs) But then I love the word content, and that's a word that I use both in and out of church mm-hmm. settings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can we can go to Philippians and Paul and mm-hmm. how he talks about being learning the secret of divine contentment mm-hmm. or learning the secret of contentment and how to be okay whether abased or bound, up or down, rich or poor, yeah. no matter what the situation is. Those um, words you chose, I don't know if you scripted them, but those were great words. (laughs) Those are outstanding words. But they speak to the fact that it's not all good all the time. Mm -hmm. In fact, oftentimes it's not good. Things Mm -hmm. are not good. And how we manage when things are not good and not managing and living out of a manufactured sense of who we are um, because in life, we often emotionally, we become who we are mm-hmm. as a result of the difficult things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the traumas. And we live outside of our core self because right. we learn to be resilient in our response to traumas. Mm-hmm. And so you can't have emotional wellness without dealing with the, the negative right. um, emotions and having an awareness of the negative mm-hmm. emotions. So. A big part, not the first part with uh, maintaining or achieving emotional wellness is being aware of those emotions. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, most of us, if we ever learn that, we learn it later in life. Right. Right. It took me a long time to learn those things. Yeah. You know, 
becoming in tune with your emotions was something that I really struggled with because I don't think that it was something I was really taught as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about my parents, they were pretty stoic people mm-hmm. in terms of like, I don't think I've ever seen them cry. I haven't, you know, you'd see them express excitement and things of that nature but those negative emotions it was very just flat face like Mm -hmm. you just have to we're surviving and getting to the next day on Mm -hmm. a lot of things and so you know now with mental health and wellness being kind of this trending topic now Mm -hmm. um it's been a a big importance to learn how to actually have the vocabulary Mm -hmm. um to engage with your emotions and Something that was really impactful for me was understanding the emotional wheel mm-hmm. and, you know, how we will just, like, throw things into being overwhelmed or mm-hmm. throw things into being sad when, like, maybe you're frustrated, maybe mm-hmm. you're disappointed, maybe um, you are longing for something and trying to really unpack your feelings and not lumping it into a category. Mm-hmm. So can you speak to the importance of being able to actually name your feelings and how does one learn to do that? You, you've used so many great words and I wish I had a notepad with me to <laughs> write down the words. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to go back to the word survival. Mm. Um, again, you know, you're watching the people around you the most formative people around you survive Mm -hmm. and not even be able to be their authentic selves while they're surviving. Yes. Um, And they develop this kind of resilience that allows them to move forward, Mm -hmm. to continue to march forward, but they're still not able to experience who they are because they stay in the survival mode, which Mm -hmm. is what happens to us Mm -hmm. and why we can't experience that range of emotions and then you mentioned, you know, the whole growing up, mm-hmm. being young and what you see. We develop our emotional range or lack of range right. or uh, how we respond in different situations from very young. Mm-hmm. Starting with attachment. We can talk about attachment theory. Uh, but starting with attachment that we got or didn't, got, mm-hmm. didn't get or traumas that we experienced. And we start to develop those survival tactics that we use. Now, if I could try to get back to the question you actually asked me. um, I think it's developing. I love the uh, emotional wheel and having a wider understanding of the different emotions that one might experience Mm -hmm. versus just I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm angry. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think... Best case scenario, it starts young. Mm. Um, I think of my children, and my children are so blessed to be able to benefit from me deciding to go back to school mm-hmm. at 51 <laughs> and get another degree mm-hmm. and branch off into another field of expertise because I felt like I not only wanted to know more about mental health, I wanted right. to help other people. Right. Because I have done that work and am engaged in that work, I am having conversations with my now 10-year-old twins Mm -hmm. and my 12-year-old who is blossoming (laughs) (laughs) in wonderful ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm able to have conversations with them about their feelings. I'm able to stop them and say, what do you feel right now? Tell me how you feel. I'm not going to get mad at you. 
talk to me about what you're feeling right now. Right. Let's, let's process that. And it's okay to feel whatever it is you feel. Right. And in doing that, they're able to develop their own emotional language and right. their own emotional flexibility and their own emotional intelligence mm -hmm. that helps them to respond to the world mm -hmm. in different ways. Mm -hmm. So I would say you benefit greatly from one, being in touch with your own emotions yeah. enough to say, this is what I'm feeling right now. You know, we talk about in therapy, we talk about being able to catch a feeling, mm -hmm. check it and change it. So the three C's, catch mm -hmm. it, check it, change it, but catch it. And then not just catch a feeling and being able to call it something, but also to understand and feel what's going on mm. inside of me in mm -hmm. this moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just going to attach angry right. to this feeling. Right. What am I feeling? What's right. going on in my body? Am I sweating? Is my heart rate increased? Do I right. feel tense? You know, what am I doing? Am I clenching my teeth? Yeah. So you can recognize all of these behaviors together mm -hmm. or responses together and then be able to identify that. Maybe not even as anger, but something Fred does. Right. You know, right. And, and then as a black man, you know, I, I use the word anger. Mm. Um, I get angry if you tell me I'm angry mm -hmm. because I'm <laughs> not angry. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I need to be able to communicate to other people what it is I'm feeling. I'm I'm frustrated. I'm right. upset. I feel marginalized mm -hmm. yeah. in this moment. Yeah. So don't call it anger. You know, especially when you're the one marginalizing. Yes. Come on. <laughs> marginalizing me, right? But it, it helps to have people who allow you to mm. define and name your feelings yeah. and who won't judge you. Right. Um, and even people who will love you through the negative stuff. Yes, absolutely. I have a friend who um, blessed me so much. And I, I was aware of what he did, but the more I think about it over the years, mm -hmm. the more appreciation I have. I was going through a very difficult time in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And he allowed me to be broken messed up, have made terrible decisions, mm -hmm. and he he allowed me to be all of that in his presence, mm -hmm. and he loved me and told me I was still a good man. Right. So you need people like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think you touched on so many good points of how we wish as kids, or thankfully your children have had this experience, but... I, when I reflect back to my childhood, that my parents would have asked me those questions so that I could have learned to understand the symptoms of different emotions. Um, because now I find myself struggling with a, a convoluted interpretation of what different emotions feel like and how mm -hmm. they show up for myself. Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, being somebody who has struggled with an anxiety disorder for the better part of my life. I don't know the differentiation between anxiety and excitement mm. um, where, mm. you know, there are times where it'll be all a positive thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, oh, I'm on the verge of an anxiety attack. And I'm like, what are what am I anxious for? Mm. Um, and so it's just now that I've been able to understand, like, mm. your thoughts aren't racing. Like, you're, it's not 
you actually have an, an anxiety attack, you, you're you just excited. Right. And, like, it's okay to be excited. And it's also okay for that excitement to maybe have a dash of anxiety because you just don't know. And understanding the duality of those feelings. And so, you know, me almost kind of having to be a parent to myself um, is so interesting because I have to stop myself and I'd be like, mm-hmm. Okay, Badia, like, what's what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. What are you feeling? Or even stopping saying, I'm proud of you. You know, you're giving myself those affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so interesting to have to give myself those tools now, being an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but how important that journey is, whether that's something that you are blessed to be able to have in childhood, mm-hmm. or if that's something that you have to learn later in life. You still need that parental figure, even if you have to be your own parental figure. Um, and, you know, you talking about having people who give you community in feeling your feelings. Um, and I think that that's such an important conversation to have because oftentimes we ostracize ourselves mm-hmm. because of the emotions that we're going through. Um, and being somebody who, again, is also and in conjunction with anxiety, struggled with depression, I just didn't want to be a burden on everybody else. Mm. And so it was so quick to isolate myself and just be like, well, I'm not going to rain on anybody else's parade. Everybody else has all of, you know, these different things going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I removed myself and didn't give people the space to actually Mm -hmm. do, you know, like your friend was able to do for you. And so it wasn't until I went to therapy that they talked about the importance of not isolating in all of those moments. Um, So could you speak to the importance of engaging in community in those moments when you probably want to withdraw the most? Well, first thing I want to say is how wonderful the journey you're on. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And where you are in your own personal journey. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. And, you know, the younger you are when that happens the better your trajectory charts going forward. I heard a therapist say recently that she was dealing with a client who was um, over 70 Mm. and he was um, terminally ill Mm. and he was struggling with, um, I don't remember if it was depression or what it was, but it made her feel a sense of urgency to get him to a place of healing. Right so that he could experience as much healing as possible, right? So you being on this journey now and us as a society steering people towards Mm -hmm. being on this journey towards your, I don't know if you've identified it yet, but your journey right now, what you're on is this journey towards your authentic self, your core self, right? right? Um, But since culture is talking about this now and society is talking about this now, it's giving people these opportunities mm-hmm. that our parents, even my parents, mm-hmm. even though I'm old enough to be your, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. even my parents, they didn't have access. They didn't have this language. They were not, in fact, especially in black culture, yep. This was stigmatized. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't only that they didn't have this language, but this was stigmatized. And take it it another level deeper. In black church culture, really, really stigmatized, right? You know, you don't talk about these things. Mm -hmm. God will provide. In the house, it's 
don't talk about nothing that happens in this house. Right. Right. You know, so it's almost like we have to forgive our parents because they mm. could only do what they could do. Mm. And I look at my mom and I'm like, she did the best with what she knew. And she was struggling with depression and didn't know right. it. Right. And even when I hear you talk about the isolating, that is a symptom of depression. Absolutely. Right? So to have this knowledge of mental health mm -hmm. and mental illness, mm -hmm. which is not a dirty word, right. um, helps you to identify symptoms and then take action. Back to your question. Community. You know, I think it's... One thing is, one thing we know through mental health and therapy is we want to get people out. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to isolate. Mm -hmm. um, everybody doesn't have somebody to talk to. Right. Um, everybody doesn't have a person. I, I hope everybody has one person that you can be your authentic self right. with. But I acknowledge that everyone doesn't even have that one person. Yeah. I think that church operates at its best as this community of people who come together and keep one another accountable. Mm -hmm. And one of the places then that we can create the community is in church, but also, you know, just finding things that you love doing, go to the dog park. Right. If you got a dog, mm -hmm. you know, um, whatever it is, museums or whatever it is that you love, just find yourself out and about, go to a concert alone. I go to, if my wife watches this, she'd probably be offended by this. <laughs> but I go to a matinee by myself very often, or every now and again, I'll go to a matinee by myself. Um, and it'll just be kind of like a mental health moment for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and, and I'm going to see a movie and I'm going to eat a whole large popcorn by yeah. myself. <laughs> I started noticing this woman who would be at the movie theater and it'd just be two or three people in the theater. I'd be on one side in the front where I always sit. She'd be in the back. And I would walk in, the, walk in and I would say, oh, there's matinee, boo. <laughs> y'all got y'all connection point. Y'all got y'all connection point. And I would go to my seat and sit. So that wasn't community in the sense that, you know, we could, we ever talked. Never had a conversation. Haven't seen her since before the pandemic because right. I stopped going yeah. to theaters. But getting out and doing something that allows you mm. some space. Right. And then, you know, you make casual conversation. I love the guy who makes the popcorn. He's funny. <laughs> nice. He's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so important to integrate those those hobbies that you just enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. That give you joy, that pour back into your cup. And one of the things that you mentioned that was kind of a revelation for myself as you were talking was, you know, as you go upon this journey and um, you're taking the time to do the things that you enjoy, and you're getting this vocabulary and this education, you begin to evolve into your authentic self. Mm -hmm. And what I have found for myself personally is that I have been going through an identity crisis mm. because I see the version of myself that I used to be, mm -hmm. um, you know, the person who struggled with the mental health and had all of these negative coping habits and things of that nature. Um, and then how the symptoms of those things manifested themselves being mm. somebody who I think I'm still an introvert, but, um, 
you know, had social anxiety. So I'm not one to go get up on a stage or go walk into a room and just engage with people or be the life of the party. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I've been going on this wellness journey, I've been moving more into that space. Mm. And it's like, I I don't recognize myself. Mm. And so it then becomes almost like this push in both directions Mm -hmm. where I can't go back to that version of myself that that I used to be because I just isn't me Mm. um and i'm healing but i'm also don't recognize this version of me that i'm evolving into because it's new Mm. um but understanding that that's your authentic self Mm -hmm. is such a wild revelation to come to because you've never experienced your authentic self before Mm. yet it being your your true genuine self and so you know how would you speak to those going through that kind of identity crisis of moving from one version of self into another version of self? I would say, number one, don't over-compartmentalize it. So you mentioned I'm still kind of an introvert. I'm a total introvert. (laughs) Um, But understanding that that's me and this is me too. Right. So I can, I'm the guy who likes to sit on the couch in the man cave and pop popcorn and if you want popcorn, I have to pop you some because this is mine. This is yours. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Right. I'm very much that person, but I can also get up in front of people and share a mm. message. And I can also sit in a room with the closed door with a total stranger and allow them to be transparent mm. with me in a way where they don't feel judged and they actually feel cared for Right. Um, in that moment. And all of those things are me. Yeah. And being okay with all of those things Mm -hmm. like some people might want to make you feel bad because i would rather sit here and eat this popcorn than be at your party right uh, you know (laughs) or at your right (laughs) (laughs) right at your at your gathering but no i'm good like i'm really good like no go i'll see y'all later right you you know i'll see you when you get back Mm -hmm. i'll be here and i'm I'm, content exactly (laughs) exactly content But really embracing that. Mm. And I would even say, get some words around it. As I was listening to you, I wanted to ask you, Mm. if you could define what, and I think we probably only experience this in moments, especially as we're on the journey. Mm -hmm. But it's important to identify those moments so we can kind of track back to them when Mm -hmm. we need to. But if you could give yourself one word of, living in your authentic self mm. what that what a one word that describes that what word would you give it mm. the first word that popped in my mind was light light i like that light yeah light so it's um, it's bright I, it, there's clarity mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. right there's no confusion about who i am mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm here i'm in my zone i'm doing my thing I like the word free. I like mm. the word chill. Mm. You know, it's just a place where I'm able to be me and right. I don't care what you think. Yeah. You know, and then there's an introvert. This is something I do with all of my children are similar to me in personality. Okay. We're quiet. Mm-hmm. And as a child, I hated when people called me shy or mm, quiet. Right, right. Because right? they don't correlate. I'm quiet. I'm not shy. Right. Right. They're different things. But I've tried to help my children embrace being the quiet kid. Yeah. Like, you know, when you turn it on when you have to, mm-hmm. you, you turn it on when it's time. But it's okay to sit there 
and chill. And observe. Exactly. Yep. And then when you have something to say, it's probably very profound. Right. Because you sat and you've watched everything else. And then I have a little saying that I love to give them that silence can be misunderstood, but it can't be misinterpreted. So I try to give them those little kind of gems to help them to embrace who they are Mm -hmm. and feel free to be to be quiet. Right. This is me. This is who I am. Yeah, I feel like it's so much pressure to be what other people want you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that is, you know, especially being a young adult going through college, coming out of college. It's like, I actually don't like going to parties. I actually <laughs> prefer to be by myself. Um, and all the things that you guys are doing and engaging in, I'd rather not. But you feel <laughs> that societal pressure to either um, lean into those things mm. or... If you don't lean into these things, then you're you're missing out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people will say FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm. Um, I have now claimed JOMO, the joy of missing out. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy not, um, not being there. And I can just see it on social media. Like, wow, I'm so glad you guys had a good time. Um, so you need that t-shirt that says, I'm not late. I didn't want to be here. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, cause I am that, I am that person where it's like, if I don't really want to go, my friends call me out on this. It's so funny. They're like, yeah, if you, we can tell if you want to go. Cause you'll text us first and be like, Oh, are we still meeting? Four o'clock still good. Ah, ah, ah. But if we don't hear from you, we know you don't really want to go. And you just waiting for us to be flaky. And I'm like, ah. got you. <laughs> you're right because um, I am the friend where you could cancel plans and I promise you I'm going to have a date with my couch and my TV and life is going to be fine um, so I appreciate the fact that you know you are giving your kids the autonomy to claim mm. who they are as an individual and to walk in a room and feel confident enough to not have to conform to what everybody else wants mm. them to be because that's a detriment to your mm-hmm. mental health, right? Mm-hmm. That throws an identity crisis, I feel like, in the most negative way yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, and so to those people who might not have had the, the mentors or the parents to be able to empower them to live that way and not conform, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to them? Well, the first thing I would say was I am that person mm-hmm. who didn't feel empowered. I am that person who felt like if I don't do this or conform in this way, I'm going to be ostracized or judged or stigmatized in some way. I was stigmatized as the shy kid um, who didn't want to get up and dance in front of everybody. Yeah. But mostly because I couldn't dance. (laughs) Right. You know. You know. So... um, But I was very much that person. And um, even, I would say, in some ways as a pastor and coming into this world later in life and having a different perspective than what is common in my tradition, Mm -hmm. I felt like an outlier. Mm -hmm. And it really took me a lot of time reflecting. It took me going through some... I'm trying to be careful about using trauma and traumatic, Mm -hmm. but if I define trauma as any experience that 
makes me unable mm. or overwhelms me to the point where I'm not able to process and function normally, then I would have to say traumas. I've experienced some traumas that made me have to go back and learn myself again. Wow, yeah, that's good. learn my true self. Um, one formative experience I had in my early 30s was just looking at myself in the mirror one day. And first thing I saw looking back at me was my mother. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, just like her. Mm-hmm. Like every, the, not the beautiful parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. The other parts. But what that helped me to do was to really reflect on who I am, who life and who and what life has sort of contoured and molded me to mm-hmm. be. And then who I am underneath that and who I want to be. Yeah. But it's a journey. So my advice would be to just get on that journey. Yeah. You know, get on that journey and and figure out who am I. Right. And that's a great question. I often ask that question sermonically. Mm. I think it's one of the greatest questions of life is who am I? Mm. You know, we can talk about this whole idea of identity from a psychological framework. Um, uh, identity is the answer to the question, who am I? And as we mature, that question becomes less about what the world or who the world says we are mm-hmm. and how that determines who we understand ourselves right. to be. Right. And it becomes more about who I say I am and who yeah. I know myself to be. Yeah. And when you can really claim that, you know, as... The young folks say, ten toes down, claim that. <laughs> Stand ten toes. <laughs> you know, when you can claim that, there's such a freedom in that. And it's almost like a I don't care kind of like, I'm worried about you. This is who yeah. I am. I'm good. I love myself. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Flawed, you know, sometimes up, sometimes down. That, mm-hmm. But I'm good. I know who I am and mm-hmm. I'm happy with me. Mm-hmm. And that'll help you in relationships because you won't tolerate folk there. <laughs> and won't. And, you know, I think to that point, it goes back to learning to be in touch with your emotions, right? Mm. Because you have to learn how you show up in the world. Mm. Um, and that then allows you to understand how you show up in the world is to then be able to formulate your identity and your self-identity. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, I think that that was always a big struggle for myself because I was a feelings escape artist Mm. um, where I would do all kinds of jumps, bend over backwards. Mm. I was the James Bond of not feeling my feelings. Mm. Um, And no wonder you go through an identity crisis Mm -hmm. because you haven't actually felt anything Mm -hmm. in the capacities that you were supposed to because Mm -hmm. those experiences and the way that you cope and process and all of that are meant to help you formulate that identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think one of one of my biggest challenges was learning how to lean into my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only to just feel my feelings, because I was that person who could talk about the saddest, most traumatic thing, like I was talking about the weather. Mm-hmm. And I could be very matter-of-fact about mm-hmm. it. And I realized, like, not only do you have to, but I could feel sad, right? It was, like, a sad thing, but I didn't emote my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you could talk about a sad thing and be sad, but I was still trying to hide 
how I was feeling to you. So Mm -hmm. you would never know that Mm -hmm. I was feeling sad. So how would you encourage someone to get in touch with their emotions? So I think that's a great question. And I also think it's a great description of your own personal experience. Mm -hmm. And um, also want to say I appreciate and hats off to you for being transparent in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, What you were doing was coping. You know, I often Mm -hmm. say to um, a client that, you, that was your survival right. like technique, tactic. It wasn't. So we, we might look at it and say, oh, that was negative. That prevented me from feeling and being my authentic self. Yes, but it's also how you survived. It kept you here another day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there was probably something or some collection of things that happened that made you say, I can't afford to feel in this situation. Right. I can't afford to get into my feelings mm. in, in this situation because mm-hmm. I'll get hurt. Because mm-hmm. I was hurt last time. Mm-hmm. Get hurt again, mm-hmm. so I'm going to avoid those feelings. Right. So you became that escape artist. Right. So I also I try to help people embrace that. Mm-hmm. That's why you're here. Right. You know. That's good. That's other, good. Other people didn't escape. Right. They didn't have a mechanism that allowed them to be resilient mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. And now that you're at a safer space emotionally, now and a higher level of awareness, now you can say. Okay, so as much as that was a coping strategy, it was also a, maybe a bit of a, a cop-out yeah. in a way because I never dealt with those feelings. Mm-hmm. And cop-out is probably not the right word or phrase to use to describe that. But avoidance mm-hmm. in that way, which mm-hmm. a lot of people practice, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to yes. run away. This is how I deal with things. You know, this right. <laughs> just let me go and come back. Well, you never come back. You mm. come back physically, but you never right. come back emotionally because right. you're still hiding your feelings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Right. But as you grow in your awareness and your, I want to say, emotional flexibility, mm-hmm. as you grow in, in those things, then you can get to a place where you're able to come back and express those feelings Mm -hmm. again important that you have people you can do that with Mm -hmm. and so it might end up starting with a therapist Um, it might end up starting with a parent but a trusted person that you feel safe enough to Mm -hmm. come back to and be your authentic self yeah there's a version of couples therapy that i love called emotionally focused therapy Mm. eft uh, Dr. Susan Johnson is the mother of of EFT, mm-hmm. and I think EFT has a lot of good qualities to be used in individual therapy, mm-hmm. but in couples therapy, it's very effective because it teaches couples how to, one, share themselves emotionally mm-hmm. with their significant other, uh, but it also teaches the one who's being shared with to be present right. in a way that is and non-judgmental, yeah. right? And to, to, to be non-judgmental and allow the person to feel. Mm. And as uh, the individual who's expressing themselves expresses themselves in ways that deal with emotions and not actions. Mm-hmm. So not, you do that all the time and that makes me angry. Right. When that happens, I feel this way. Mm-hmm. When, when you're able to, 
establish that with another human being and yeah. have that safe space, then it allows you to become. Right. You know, and so that becomes just a really rich place. And, you know, not to go off into couples therapy, but imagine the love that you develop in a space where yeah. you feel safe enough to be yourself, your emotional self with another human being. Right. That's a rich place. No, it, it is. And I think to take that a step further, I've been trying to do that with my relationship with myself mm. where I give myself I that, that safe space. And, you know, for me also being a believer, having that conversation with God mm. where, you know, I think a lot of the times as believers, people will jump to like, yeah, you know, this is real hard. You know, this happened, this happened, this happened, God's good. Mm. And then you stop feeling. Mm. And so I've been encouraging people that God recognizes the fact that we're human. Mm -hmm. And he recognizes the fact that, I can be faithful in him, but I can also be sad. I can be mm -hmm. faithful in him and also be frustrated and mm -hmm. all of those things. So I've been trying to create a safe space with myself the same way how you were mentioning with the couples therapy mm -hmm. and actively listening to that inner child, that inner version of mm -hmm. myself of what is actually going on in those moments. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated the fact how you talked about coping strategies and while they may not have been the best coping strategies, they are what allowed you to survive, you know, another day. Yeah. And for that, they have to be honored for yeah. serving their role. And I will always, um, never phrased it that way, but I, that's how I would verbalize for me, um, being somebody who was addicted to weed, um, would spend days, if not weeks high. And I would tell people, I was like, I don't ever regret that phase of my life mm -hmm. because it's what allowed me to graduate college. Mm -hmm. It's what allowed me to still be here today. It's what allowed me to get to a point of not needing that to be my vice any longer. Mm -hmm. um, but it would have been a disservice for myself to continue utilizing that coping strategy mm -hmm. as I outgrown it. It's like trying mm -hmm. to still put on a pair of shoes that you've outgrown. Mm -hmm. It's not going to serve you. It's actually going to limit and handicap you mm -hmm. to be able to continue to walk into your future. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think people get stuck and staying with their coping strategies mm -hmm. um, because I was that person where I was like, well, it's therapeutic. It helps me sleep. It helps me, you know, calm down my mind and all of these. You have other a whole things. spiritual experience. Right. right. <laughs> and so, you know, how do you recognize that a coping strategy is no longer serving you and then have to figure out developing a new one from that? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question, especially using the um, idea of cannabis. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> I was young once and, you know, I indulged. <laughs> and so that is an interesting idea for a coping strategy. And I think it can be one of those things where how am I using it? Because obviously right. it's legal now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so... It is prescribed to individuals to cope with certain life experiences, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be physical pain or um, otherwise. So that in and of itself is interesting. But what I heard in that was outgrown it. Yes. And I think that's the key thing there. Uh, whatever this was doing for me in this season, it has outgrown its usefulness. Mm -hmm. And now it's hindering me. Mm -hmm. 
and I need to move past. And maybe it was hindering me before, but I didn't see it that way. Right. But now that I've outgrown it, what's the next thing for me? Right. Where do I go now? And I think that's part of this awareness mm -hmm. of knowing. And I could even take that and look at it in a vocational sense, mm -hmm. a relational mm -hmm. sense. And, you know, and even within those things, emotionally, psychologically, when I've outgrown something. Yeah. And, and I, I really want to be able to expand on my understanding of who I am. I love your idea of being in this relationship with myself and or in this relationship with God and being able to express fully who I am. Mm -hmm. I think we live life in seasons. And, yes. you know, sometimes you close a chapter, but it's not the end of the book. Yes. And understanding when to close this chapter and move on. Mm -hmm. I could uh, give you a very, I have a very clear mm. Um, moment when I stopped mm. and um, I got to the place, uh, the party late <laughs> and there was nothing left. Mm. And so I got to watch my friends and <laughs> yeah. you know, what they did when they were under the influence. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore because mm. I, I want to live into something that I'm not sure they're ready to live into. Yeah. So even though that's a very concrete experience, mm -hmm. I could take that and relate it to emotions and how right. sometimes you see, I don't want to live here anymore. Mm -hmm. This is, it was fun. It did whatever it did for me. It did. I, I used to like coming to this place. Let's right. say emotionally. <laughs> I used to like coming to this place. It was safe. It was fun. It was chill. But I want to live more than mm -hmm. what this has to offer me. So I'm going to step outside of this box and, mm -hmm. you know, take this courageous step right. to find out who I am yeah. and to get to know me more. So, again, kudos to you for Thank having you. the confidence and the courage. I mm -hmm. think it's probably more courage than confidence, mm -hmm. uh, but the courage to say, I, I want to know myself in a deeper way. Yeah. And I want to experience life in a deeper way. Right? Yeah, for me, that's all glory to God, you know, to be able to to have that courage to be able to navigate that because um, it was not something that I could do in my own strength. Mm. And he I can't say he tricked me, but that's a whole story for another day. <laughs> I, I didn't get I didn't make up in my mind one day I was going to stop. He just did a whole thing with me. <laughs> um, and so shout out to you, Jesus, for doing that. <laughs> Um, but I think the last thing that I want to, to talk about um, is how, like, people will not talk about suicide, right? And people who struggle with suicidal thoughts and su suicidal ideations, where it's almost like this taboo word. But when you talk about getting in touch with your emotions, I know in experiencing my emotions, that was often a very real symptom and experience of it mm. but the fear and the stigmatization of being able to communicate that with other people was another part of my isolation and my um self ostracization away from other people mm. because I didn't know how to show up in that space and be received for feeling in that way and so being somebody who, you know, attempted suicide, had to do the whole mm. being in the hospital, psycho psychological 
center and things of that nature. I always want to empower people who are experiencing those feelings and emotions to be able to verbalize them because you don't have to go down that journey and path. So how do you have those conversations if you are someone experiencing those things um, or being on the other side of it, receiving those things? I think it's one of the hardest things. Um, it's something that in the therapy setting we are required to ask in many situations. Um, any thoughts of suicide? And one of the many interesting things about asking that question and the responses is most people who would say yes to that question also understand what saying yes means um, clinically um, because you do not want to jeopardize your license mm -hmm. or the reputation or the uh, standing of the agency you represent or so on. There are very clear rules to how you respond to someone saying, I want to kill myself. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it becomes a, a even more interesting question in that setting. Um, I have had people tell me in the therapy setting, when I've asked that question, I know how not to answer that question. I'm just going to let you know. Yeah. I know how not to answer that question. So I'm like, okay, so what you're telling me is that you feel it, but you're not going to say it because you know if you say it. The repercussions to... of your actions. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it. Um, so it's, it's a really difficult one. I'll give you an experience, two experiences. Um, I had a client one day who told me that he had been walking across 202 mm. attempting to get run over mm. by a truck. Right. Um, so he was trying to commit suicide. Mm. He said he didn't have the courage to just take his own life, but he thought if he could get hit by a truck, then that was something that yeah. could happen and he could not feel pain anymore. Right. And when I sat there and listened to it, I was amazed that he had thought that out mm -hmm. and attempted it and grateful that it didn't work right. because now he's sitting with me and we're mm -hmm. talking and he's eating and drinking and right. he's, you know, opening up. And so I was grateful that he didn't succeed. The next day, I was on my way from home to the church mm -hmm. And all traffic was diverted um, at the 13-1 split. Mm. And uh, I didn't know what had happened, but mm. there was a massive amount of blood in the road. Mm. I found out that someone had wow. intentionally walked into the road and was killed. And I knew it wasn't my client, but it just made me feel this wow. deep sense of pain. Yeah. I I cried. Yeah. When I realized that this man had killed himself mm. in the same way that my client attempted mm. to kill himself and it just made me want to share with my friends and social media mm. and the people I talk about even at the clinic where I uh, do mental health and therapy that you don't know what a person is going through. Ever. And you don't know when you might be able to create a space or say something that might save somebody's mm -hmm. life. Mm 
because this could have very well been my client mm -hmm. a few days ago. And I almost had to turn around that day and just go back home and just be with myself because mm -hmm. it hurt me. Mm -hmm. Once I understood what happened mm -hmm. there and I connected the dots, it hurt me. So I would say I just hope that you're able to express that if those are the feelings you're having. Um, of course, we point people to suicide prevention hotlines, which are great places to have the conversation with someone who doesn't know you and yeah. who will give you the opportunity to vent. And I know that because I called one of those hotlines mm. myself mm -hmm. um, at one point in time. Mm -hmm. and so I know what the conversation is like because I did make that call mm -hmm. one time. And that's another thing that I try to do, even from my position in the pulpit, mm -hmm. I talk about how this might be a real feeling that you've had. And if you've had this feeling, you're not alone. I've had that feeling right. too. Right. So creating community in that way yep. that allows people to say, you know what, I can love God and trust God and still feel these feelings that I feel, mm -hmm. and it's okay. Right. Yeah, you got to give space for people to express their feelings and know that they're not alone. And that's why, you know, I always make it my mission to, I think, sometimes be overly vulnerable mm. because I never know how me being vulnerable, how that gives them permission mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and get the help that they need that they might not have ever felt comfortable asking for because mm -hmm. we live in a society where asking for help is, like, this big thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I loved and thank you for the, the story that you shared um, to kind of illuminate for people who, you know, may have never experienced that, the impact that one conversation might have or, you know, just smiling at somebody, mm -hmm. how something so simple as that could, you know, change their day around. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just the importance of being kind um, and, you know, really being plugged in with self so that we can help to take care of others, mm -hmm. um, I think is how as a community, as a society, we can begin to embark on the road to emotional wellness together. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Homies, just, just like that. You know, I love a little full circle moment. Um, so I feel like we could have talked about it all day. We could have went on for hours and hours and hours and hours. But <laughs> homies, y'all know I try to keep these episodes under an hour for y'all. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to hand it back over to you for, for the what's up. How can people get plugged in with you and what it is that you're doing? Anything that the homies can support you with? Well, right now, I am doing my work here at Community Presbyterian Church. Um, the most fulfilling part of this work for me right now, and I know for those who volunteer with me, is the um, food pantry. We mm -hmm. call it the food hub. Mm -hmm. um, I got rid of the word pantry because I just think it's stigmatizing and people don't want to come to a pantry. But if it's a food hub in the neighborhood... Where I can come and get some catfish and chicken come and on. you know all that good stuff, right? I'm gonna come out. But it's such a fulfilling thing um to engage with the community and I'm here. Almost every Saturday I'm here, unless I got a tournament to be at. Mm -hmm. I'm here and I love talking to the people who come in and hugging the people and knowing their stories and I don't 
ever invite them to church. But if they ask me about service, come on. But it's not a thing where we're trying to proselytize people, right. but we're just providing a resource. So um, I love that. And so we're here doing that work. And we're also trying to rebuild some things. The uh, uh, podcast studio is just amazing. And thank mm -hmm. you and your dad and your brother. And this was a closet um, six months ago. Wow. And it's totally transformed. It's totally transformed. And it is amazing. So we have some initiatives around the podcast studio, and we're getting our community cafe back in order nice. after some water damage. Our concept, or my concept with the cafe, was to recenter the work of the church mm. away from the Sunday morning worship hour into the rest of the week. And so in that space, we've done mentoring, mm. um, empowerment sessions, intimate partner violence, um, financial stewardship, right. educational advocacy, all in that space. So we're looking forward to getting that work back together. And the program that I have dreamed up and, um, and trying to get off the ground is something I call, I call BRUH, B-R-U-H, mm -hmm. which stands for Brother Are You Healthy? Mm. And it is a mental health program geared specifically towards black men. Um, black men because as a black man, my experience has been trying to find a therapist, for one thing, mm. that looks like me and mm. shares my worldview and my life experience has been difficult, but also just opening up avenues of opportunity for mm. black men to say it's okay yeah. um, to talk about mental health and to talk about health in general, yeah. which is just a place where we as black men fall down miserably. Yeah. Um, but we're trying to create that space for black men to be able to have conversations about mental health and gain access to mental health Absolutely. in ways that are really helpful. Um, as a pastor, one of the things I found is that we haven't necessarily had uh, good mental health resources. Mm -hmm. um, we are in communities that don't have access to quality mental health resources, yeah. but we have access to 20 million churches. Mm -hmm. So what if in the church you could have quality mental health resource? So that said, Pastor Fred... Go back to school, get mm. another degree, That's and good. become therapist, Fred. Yeah. So now, when you walk in, I'm going to give you some tools. I can, I can, I can do your psychiatric evaluation on the spot. Mm -hmm. I know what that is. I know what that looks like. I'm going to send you over here, mm. where you can get a secondary evaluation and get a prescription, right. and then we can set up regular counseling. I want to create that, and I know there's so many That's more. Good men and women who look like me who have the cultural competencies to work in communities like this one yeah. and help folks who want to be helped and yeah. want to be on that journey to wellness. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am and you know what I'm doing. That's and, and awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And I will definitely in the show notes you guys leave um ways for you to be able to get connected um with the church. And um, the things that they are doing here, because it's amazing, and we need more of this. Um, so I'm so excited about that. And I think you had a, a gem that you wanted to, to drop for the homies, a book that you might have for them. I do have a book, and I, as I said, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> That's okay. Don't put it down <laughs> in the show notes for him. There's grace. <laughs> but the book is called Permission to Feel. Mm. 
And it was given to me by a colleague, a mentor colleague at that. And I read it last year on vacation. Um, read it poolside, which turned the vacation into a self-revelation and counseling the whole family around me about. Yeah. But it's called Permission to Feel. Mm. And what the book talks about is a lot of what you mm. have shared, actually, in okay. your journey. You will love this book. But it really talks about having this um, willingness and openness to be able to feel whatever you feel, acknowledge yeah. your feelings in the presence of others, and especially to be able to, when you're not okay, acknowledge those feelings, what that feels Absolutely. like, what that is. And so it's a, it's a wonderful resource. Awesome. Well, homies, it sounds like I got to read the book and y'all going to have to read the book and let me know. Maybe we start a little book club. Maybe we read it together. Um, so with that being said, y'all, y'all know it's time for us to walk it like we talk it. We done did a lot of talking, but y'all got to put a little action behind the words that we talked about today. And so I actually am going to pose the same question that you posed to me of what is one word that you would use to describe your authentic self? What is one word that you would use to describe the version of yourself that you are working to evolve into? Um, and so I want you guys to make a story post, tag me in it, slide up in my DMs, let me know um, what your word is, and let's talk about it, y'all. Um, but we did that. That was This was a good conversation. <laughs> um, homies, I hope that you guys were able to get something out of the conversation today. Um, I always learn something, and now I gotta go home. I gotta journal, and I gotta do all the things that I gotta do to process this. Um, but wherever you are watching, listening to the show, make sure you like, you comment, you subscribe, you do all the things. Um, and also make sure that you tell a homie to tell a homie to tell a homie. Go grab your friend, your brother, Pookie down the street. Watch the episode together. Let this be the the start of a conversation about emotional wellness because mental health impacts us all. Um, and it's just a matter of having conversations to break down that stigmatization. Um, and so with that being said, homies, that's the show. And until next time, always remember that I love you. I'm so super duper proud of you. You can absolutely do hard things and always you are literally the coolest person 